Welcome to Section 420, Talking Yankees. We're going to take a little step away from the majors and step into some minor league baseball. And to help us do that, we're going to bring on Jake Whalen. He runs a popular YouTube channel called MILB Hat Billy, which tells baseball stories with a bit of a minor league flair. So let's bring him on. So Jake Whalen, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, James. All right, now people can follow you on Twitter at MILB underscore Hat Billy. And of course, check out your YouTube channel, um, MILB hat billy and catch all your videos and i guess you know you kind of it's a mixed bag sort of like little present day stuff but um some minor league talk some orioles talk but as well you know i think which is the great is that you specialize in those like random baseball stories so just tell us a little about your your channel yeah so it seems like here recently i've really hit a stride with kind of going back uh in the 70s and 80s uh baseball it seems like there's not as much on those types of stories i think primarily because a lot of youtube creators are so young and not to age myself, but I'm, I'm a little older than those guys. But uh, so the channel got started uh, where I was essentially it's called Hat Billy. Uh, Hat Billy is a play on Hillbilly, which I'm from the Appalachian Mountains and mm-hmm. kind of thought it was unique that I was about the only baseball creator I could find from this area. But I actually started with um, just purchasing hats, building a hat collection. And that got expensive fast. You know, I was getting maybe 20 views per $20 hat purchase. So pivot away from that a little bit and started just telling stories. And then things really started to take off. It just felt more genuine. I was at my best just as a storyteller, I guess, as opposed to someone who's just showing off a hat they bought. So that that wasn't really for me. But uh, trial and error is is YouTube, essentially. So. Yeah, I've kind of kind of bounced around, but I think I'm hitting a stride with the uh, with the history type stuff. So, yeah, and then yeah. the videos are very well done. So, like, how long does it take to really produce one of those videos? Because you know, there's a lot of um, research and there's, you know, video footage and all that. Yeah, it's I spend about an hour per minute of content, so it's 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 time consuming, but um, it's fun. You know, it's it's uh, it's an escape from the day to day. I'm a I'm a fish biologist by trade, so producing video content is just as far away as you can get from that. I work outdoors all the time. So it's, you know, on a day off, I just kind of sit in my, my room and, and do that. So it's, you know, it's stress relief, which is unexpected when I got into it, but just uh, disappearing in some historic realm of baseball that I was completely unfamiliar with an hour ago and coming out with an end result that, you know, other people seem to enjoy. So really cool. All right, anyway, and how do you pick these stories? Um, like, where do you go to find them, or is this something maybe you heard before, but finally you want to like do a little more research in it, or is there a way, a place you go to like find these like this bizarre stories? Uh, the past few have been just um, things I've stumbled upon in conversation with my dad. Um, the one that kind of uh, recently got some steam was uh, Sammy Stewart's story. He was a Baltimore relief pitcher during their uh, last World Series run, which predated my lifetime, but. Um, we were just reminiscing about old Orioles players and I happened to have seen his name on the internet a day or two before and bounced it off my dad. And he, he just kind of hit this moment where it was like, I haven't thought about that guy in 25, 30 years. So, um, you dive in and more often than not, uh, it's the beauty of the internet. You find way more than you expected to. And, um, that's, that's just kind of how it gets going. Whatever stories I tend to gravitate to. I do a better job with it seems like so with Sammy uh he was he was really relatable to me he grew up near where I grew up 
He played for my favorite team, but lo and behold, he ran into some, some life tragedies, which became addiction problems. And it was a really, really sad story and possibly the saddest player story in the Orioles franchise. So I was kind of amazed that there wasn't already a video about it, but that's another thing to motivate me to do these videos is like, wow, this is such a great story. Why is this not already on YouTube? And then the, then the wheels start turning a little bit. Yeah. I watched a part of that. And I, I think you mentioned he was the only player to actually sell his ring, his championship ring for, for drugs, I guess. Yeah. His, his championship ring is out there somewhere. I, I don't remember the source uh, where I read that, but um, they, they actually looked into where all those rings ended up. And there's, there's two that have been sold. I don't recall the other player. He was another bullpen guy, but Sammy's, is the only one that he, you know, pawned off immediately for drugs and hadn't seen again. So pretty, pretty sad. Um, but you know, his, his family actually reached out to me after I made that video. So that was kind of, kind of made it all worthwhile. I think it was, um, um, an uncle or his, his cousin was the person's uncle. Anyway, he was named after him too. So, uh, I, I don't recall that guy's name. It was it was a YouTube name, so I'm not sure if it's his actual name anyway. But really cool to kind of hear from the family. He was going to pass that on to other extended family closer to Sammy Stewart. So, yeah, interesting, interesting player, and um, way a way better player than he's remembered in history. You know, he's got kind of a tarnished legacy because of his after baseball stuff. But he was very clutch. He he became a different person in the postseason, which. You know, it's not hard to have Orioles postseason records because he pitched in their two last World Series runs, and they haven't had many. So he's he's in the history books, but he's kind of buried. And uh, that's that's why I think, you know, that kind of stuff's interesting. And just to kind of rehash uh, those stories for new generations, it's it's a lot of fun. And then another name that got brought up and kind of – and he's kind of recent was jo- uh, Joel Zamaya, who I guess – Injured himself playing air guitar. And I remember when he came up in Detroit and he was like, he was throwing 105 miles per hour. It was just going to be this phenom. And then he got hurt. And of course, he just, his career has never really panned out. Yeah, he he was insane. I, I remember him from, I think I was in high school at the time. So that was a name that had kind of been in my subconscious a little more. And I, you know, I'd, I'd heard that at the time about him being hurt playing Guitar Hero. Um, I reached out to some Detroit fans who actually said, oh, well, I think it was like a motocross incident, but he wasn't supposed to be doing any of that, especially in the postseason on his day off. So they they used the Guitar Hero thing, possibly. Uh, he hasn't commented on it since, but I thought that was kind of a controversial thing to talk about and just one of the, one of the weirdest things that's happened in baseball. And then I kind of coattailed off of that to other odd injuries, um, like Vince Coleman getting run over by the tarp. Uh, he was a St. Louis player who uh, it, this was also in the postseason. They were out warming up, and I guess this was the days of, you know, three-mile-per-hour tarp machine somehow injured the the fastest player in the league besides Ricky mm-hmm. Henderson, I believe, at the time. So thought that was a funny story. So it's just a lot of those stories in one on that video. That was a really fun one to do. And I also had a good inspiration one with that. I think it was Jason Lindsay, the, the Dodger pitcher. That it was like a journeyman. Yeah, like wait 16 years until oh, finally yeah. get called up. Yeah, John Lindsay. He was actually I, I think when he was with the Dodgers, he was a DH. But yeah, that's that's that was one where I really got to take a, a minor league story and run with it. So that's that's kind of my bread and butter too. Um the minor leagues mean a lot to me because 
where I grew up, you're six hours from the nearest major league team, and that's in any direction. It's about six hours due south to Atlanta. It's uh, six hours due north uh, to Pittsburgh, uh, six hours uh, northeast to Baltimore, six hours northwest to Cincinnati. So minor leagues was very much all I had growing up. And so I, li I like to give back to the minors because that's very much my identity as a baseball fan. Just in, in my area, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty hard to get to a ball game. It's, it's almost a vacation setup to just see major league baseball. Now I've been, been to a few, but it definitely my, my minor league games compared to my major league games is just, uh, I don't know if I've got a hundred, I've got a hundred to maybe five. So yeah, it's, uh, that's, very much my identity as as a person and baseball fan. So yeah, I was actually going to ask you that because it seems like you have more of a you know, pre appreciation for minor league baseball. So I guess yes, you do probably appreciate that more than than the majors. More probably because you know it's harder for you to get to those stadiums. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just more real, and it's a really laid back atmosphere in the minors too. You know, it's not as costly, so you feel like you can get to more games. Um, you know, it's it's accessible. I think that's a great word for minor league baseball. And, you know, I I sit down and watch watch major league baseball, you know, pretty much every night in the summer. But the minors have just kind of been special to me. And, you know, they're 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 overlooked in a way and um, by by everyone, even even by major league baseball. You know, so it's um, I feel like that was another niche that I could cover um, just just by proximity, being around a lot of minor league clubs uh where i'm from i actually grew up watching the uh yankees rookie league a lot uh the pulaski yankees up until 2019 when the appalachian league went under that was uh calfi park that was a ballpark i got to a lot so i've seen a lot of the yankees stars here and there um they're no longer the appalachian league is no longer affiliated but while it was there was the uh pulaski yankees the princeton rays i got to see wander franco that was really cool. That was, I think, the last year before it went under uh, the Bluefield Blue Jays, who were previously the Bluefield Orioles. That aided in my becoming an Orioles fan. So a lot of cool history there. Um, it's, you know, if you, if you don't have access to Major League Baseball, we had the next best thing, which was affiliated minor league baseball at its lowest level. So it's the most affordable and you know, this you're you got the first access to these draft picks who are unknowns, but they eventually become, you know, these all stars. Just, you know, there were some big names that went through the Appalachian League. So and, so, and just getting back to your videos, um, do you have any ones that you're planning in the future that you, you know, you're researching right now? So I've actually got one that's mid upload. So I'm pretty excited about that. I was I wasn't going to push the issue. Uh, yep, we got. 89%, so almost there. It's called uh, All Aboard the Submarine. It's a look back at historic submarine pitchers and how that pitching style got started. Uh, you know, that was when I was worried about having enough content with that, but it seems like with that pitching style, when one goes away, another one just carries the torch another decade or so. So it was, you know, I, I went back to the beginning um Cy Young is credited as the first pitcher to ever throw submarine but it wasn't his primary style it was just another another pitch to him he would he would go into the submarine style back into overhand and then through the years it kind of became its own monster so guys like Dan Quisenberry are mentioned quite a bit he's he's the thumbnail of the video he's possibly the best to do it 
um, from an ERA standpoint, save standpoint. Um, and he's the one who kind of made the submarine pitcher the the dominant reliever type, you know. So um, I I think it's cool. Uh, we'll we'll see what other people think. Uh, I put a lot into that one just because there there are a lot more unknown submarine pitchers than than I was aware of. I thought it was going to be a quick like okay Darren O'Day and then all the way back to the future and f- four or five guys, but it's it's quite a lineage of of pitchers and it's it's really interesting. It's you know it's still still going. Um, if you went to look back at the knuckleball, you kind of hit this edge where it's like, ah, it's kind of dying out now. So there's no current person to compare to these guys. But with, with the submariner, you can, you know, you can go right from Darren O'Day all the way back. And it's pretty cool. There was really only a couple years here and there over eight or nine decades where there wasn't a rostered submarine guy. So it's pretty neat. Yeah. And the Yankees actually had O'Day last year and, and I was looking forward to him, but, uh, he pitched good early on, but then he got hurt and he just never came back and, you know, he was never able to finish out the season. But, um, you know, even I think he was like 38 years old and they signed him, but uh, he had a great year with Atlanta the year before. and But unfortunately yeah. he got hurt. But I think he'd have been you know great for the Yankees last year. If there were a pitching style to prolong a career um, besides the knuckleball, uh, the submarine is definitely one. It seems like it saves their arms. I think they're known to have a few more back issues, but O'Day, he, yeah, he, he had a lot of years with with my Orioles too, so he's yeah, uh, he's he's one of my favorites, and I think he's who piqued piqued my interest into this long legacy of submariners. You know, I'm not sure who his hero was growing up, pro- probably Quiz. Um, but yeah, it's it's really cool. O'Day's story is interesting because he was just an average um, high school overhand pitcher who didn't get drafted and went to a junior college completely reinvented himself after an injury. And then it propelled him into, you know, turns out he was a great submarine pitcher, even though he was just an average overhand pitcher. So it's, 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 it's a neat, um, it's, it's neat. If you're open-minded enough to try something new, it, it rewards a lot of players. And that's, that's really neat. I think. Yeah, I remember when he was with the Orioles, like they would always bring him out to, you know, he would strike out A Rod. I mean, he would, you know, the Yankees could never touch him. It was so frustrating. Yeah, they they really specialize. You know, a lot a lot of them. Uh, the the days of the the loogie pitcher or the lefty only type reliever guys they would bring in to just face one batter. That's kind of gone away. But as close as you can get to that is, I think, the submarine guy because just so few people see it. You know, if they're if there's any tape on any one hitter on that lineup ever striking out to a submarine guy, that's you, you ride the hot arm there and, and you hope it, you know, benefits you late in the game. But yeah, that's, it's a position that more often than not, it's always going to be a late reliever or a closer. And it seems, you know, it, it makes sense. If you, if you play eight innings hitting, hitting a certain type of pitch, and you know, all of a sudden you're trying to hit this ball that's launched basically off the dirt it, it causes problems and it's really neat. It makes me rethink in, in my days, if I hadn't, you know, <laughs> after injuring myself as a pitcher, uh, you know, what if, why, why didn't I think to pick up submarine pitching and give it a go, but who knows where I'd be probably still here, you know? And, but, uh, and you mentioned knuckleball. I saw you also did a video of that, of, of you know, that trying to uh, be reinduced into the game. Cause I didn't think since T- Tim Wakefield left, I don't even know who throws it anymore. Yeah, that one. Uh, you've you've really done your research, man. I appreciate that. That's that's really cool. Yeah, that was uh, a, a brief, and and by brief I mean one appearance. Uh, guy that I was trying to hype up at the time, but it it kind of backfired. 
uh, Mickey Janice was an Orioles uh, knuckleballer who last season came up. And uh, I tried to time the video around the time he would possibly be called up, which worked, but he absolutely got murdered by the Astros. Mm. They pretty much threw him to the to the Wolves. I mean, I think he faced he faced Jordan Alvarez right off and just I'm pretty sure it was a three three run shot first pitch. So that didn't really work out, but I got um a lot of great feedback from him. He he is a really sweet guy. I think he's still bouncing around in um, independent minor league baseball. He's he's not giving up. And with the knuckleball, you know, he could have 10 more years in him. So uh, you never know when a club's going to want to try the experiment again. I think he's a, a much better pitcher than what he was able to show in, I think, three innings for the Orioles in a blowout. So um, really, really cool pitcher. Yeah, it just seems like, you know, but the way that they draft pitchers now, like they, you have to like hit – you have to throw over 95 and stuff like that. And that's probably how they're trying to groom him in the minors. I mean, it's good to hear that story. But again, I just, just think everyone's looking for the dollar signs. And this is how I got to get drafted. This is how we get, I have to pitch. I don't know if too many people are going to, you know, have the guts to experiment. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, a 67 mile per hour knuckleball. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a lost art, you know, um, I, I just, I just like it and gravitate to it because it's different, but uh, the same can be said about the submarine guys, knuckleballers, uh, the screwball is a thing of the past. You know, it's, it's kind of funny how streamlined baseball pitching has become when historically there were so many different methods to get an out on the mound. And now it's kind of, kind of just, you know, you're, your power pitcher with hopefully he's got a good slider. If, if not, we'll just limit his innings, you know, and just give me, give me, give me fastballs on the black. And that's, that's all teams expect. You know, it's uh, in the, in the three true outcome baseball, it's, it's either strikeout or home run now. So, you know, that possibly leaves less room for the junk pitch, but I get excited about it. I think it's just kind of a, you know, a childhood thing is every every kid, whether they say they did or not, they spent way more time working on a curveball that they'd seldom use in games than than a you know a four seam fastball that just always seemed boring to me. <laughs> you know, so I'd I'd be out there, you know, trying to whiz a slider by my friends and probably would have saved my arm a little bit if I'd have just you know been a fastball change up pitcher in my day. But you know, live and learn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so did did you uh, pitch in a college or high school? Um. Uh, yeah, high school. Um, I was the fate of, of many a high school pitcher. I tore my labrum my junior year. It was actually a base running injury and uh, a head first slide where I caught a cleat in the shoulder. And then uh, I was actually pitched in relief uh, shortly after that. And that's when the full tear happened. I dislocated my shoulder in game. It was pretty gnarly. Um, so, yeah, I, I played. I mean, not not to any sort of a high level but what, what about you james Did, were you uh were you a baseball player this little league and um i was terrible i think uh well the first year you know my team actually got to the world series not because of me but i happened to be on the team but like i think the whole year i may have had like two hits and a double and that's about it and then i i went to the uh the next level little league after that but it was kind of at the time i was 13 so i was like like the guys were i was playing against like 15 year olds so i was kind of like uh, probably, yeah. I was probably too young for them, but they had to move me on. So they put me at third base and I was like, you know, you know, just the hot corner. I'm like, I was just getting rocked there. So I just ended up like quitting halfway through because I was like, I, I, I stink. I'm not going to help the team here. So let me just get out of Dodge. Uh, well, yeah, I can, I can see it that way. But it, so, it sounds like at least you got an awesome experience. I had one cool moment, though. Um, 
in the World Series game was so the World Series was, was like a best of three. We lost the first game. Uh, okay. In the second game, um, I did at least get a hit at the, at the point of the game because we were down like two nothing, and I got a hit that tied the, the score two two. So that mm-hmm. was probably my that's probably my greatest baseball moment on the field. We ended up unfortunately, even though we tied the game, then the other team put up another run or two, and we ended up losing like four two or something like that. So, but for a second, that was like you know that was my Mister October moment. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I actually did not play little league per se. I played Dixie League baseball, which I think still exists in the South, but it's like the South's version of little league. It was it was pretty interesting. Up until like ten years ago, they still had the rebel flag like on their patches. That's it was kind of <laughs> kind of slow developing down there. I, I, thankfully, they've done away with that now. But it was uh, it was interesting. Instead of Williamsport, you would go to Mississippi, I believe. And uh, we never made it to Mississippi. We always got knocked out in the the Virginia regionals, but um, it was it was something else. I, I don't the the South gets hung up on having its version of everything. I'm not. I, I think it's all gone to regular little league now. But uh, good good memories with that too. Uh, was anything other than you know you mentioned the whole Rebel flag thing, but any other differences from that from other standard little league um, divisions or? I think it was more more so in the tournament structure uh, than any of the actual rules of play. Um, I think the way that they they did, um, you know, the the marketing was not nearly what Little League has. There's not the the Dixie League World Series may be televised now on YouTube somewhere, but it's not. It doesn't have that national presence like Little League. Um, but um, I, as of a few years ago, they were they were going strong as far as how many you know um, towns leagues were affiliated with them still um you know hope hopefully they keep it going and just how you got started this with all your hats like how many hats do you actually have or do you still have your collection uh it's you know it's it's a small collection i I wish i'd have had the foresight to uh just (laughs) to to get into what i'm doing now or uh a little earlier uh it's 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 a crisp 25 maybe um, but compared to what I'm seeing, like on Twitter, people will still ha- tag me in, I don't know, hat Twitter related things. They'll be like, oh man, you hat Billy, check this out. I scored five more. And I'm like, man, that would have taken me a year to just, <laughs> you know, to, to prioritize, you know, w- within the bills to get that many hats. So it, mine are m- basically just things I've grabbed over the years at games so that at least there's a story to tell with all my hats, but I kind of, I was I was foolish in that that wasn't really something that was going to take off with YouTube when I got started. But I'm I'm glad I somehow ended up where I'm at on that crooked road. Um, But, yeah, shout out to the guys spending a lot of money on hats. You know, that was I I started, you know, right at the beginning of the pandemic. And that's what a lot of teams were, um, uh, you know, trying to just raise money any way they could you know the ball the ballparks closed there's no certain start date for minor league baseball again so a lot of those teams were just trying to sell their merchandise and stay afloat so i jumped in then and uh you know i i, I grabbed i grabbed a few before i completely changed the <laughs> the uh story of the channel itself <laughs> yeah and you know you mentioned some family members uh got back to you with some of your videos any other good, like feedback of whether it's on twitter or just someone messaging you like hey i like your stuff or i like your site i think eventually maybe i'll you know strike gold with you know some a, a baseball player's family who's really active on youtube so we'll we'll see um that's uh that's it's one of those things you know 
Well, eventually, I feel like baseball YouTube is small enough that I'll eventually find someone. But just as far as um, the amount of friends I've made doing this, it's been incredible. I mean, it, even just bumping into you and being a part of this uh, again, James, really appreciate it. Uh, it's it's been some really valuable conversation. You know what I've been able to do just just reconnecting with friends who are baseball fans and and uploading some of that stuff or or complete strangers who just share a love of the game it seems like there's a real brotherhood in baseball so uh, it's it's been awesome it's it's been a good thing i've been at it about a year and a half two years and it's it's just you know it's given me some sort of fulfillment all right and probably hopefully by now you know if you're watching this the submarine video should be available so again go onto your youtube channel milb hat billy and learn about the submarinas. And I guess since you're here, you mentioned your oil family was wrapping up a little ALEs talk. Um, you know, they sure. turned the season around, uh, you know, and they got a shot a couple games out of the wild card. So um, just, you know, you think they're going to go for it? you think they'll be buyers, sellers, or you think this kind of stay status quo? You know, that's that's such a hot argument right now on uh, like Orioles, Facebook groups and things I'm a part of. I personally don't see – uh, the angle of buying too much. Our minor league system right now in Baltimore is just too good to make that deal, I think. And there aren't really a lot of appealing players out that I think our organization is really interested in. I think I think they're really sold on getting young players out of the draft and setting up a scheme to really, you know, uh, Mike Elias came from the Astros and rebuilt that whole situation the same way, just getting, you know, really experienced, talented players early in the draft and trying to will and deal within the draft. So I don't think we'll be buyers or sellers per se. I think we'll be in a holding pattern. Um, I really like what Adley Rutschman is doing. I, I was able to make his first game at Camden Yards. Um, I, I, here I've talked this whole time about how I don't get to many major league games, but I made sure I was there for that one. And that was that was a moment just watching him take it all in pregame. Um you know it. What a what a player, and his his bat's not quite there, but I can tell he's just even as a young player, he's got this leadership component, and he's got a personality that I think we've been missing in a catcher for quite some time in Baltimore. So, you know, it's exciting. I, I'm not gonna say we're gonna make the dance this year, but I think the rebuild has happened quicker than we had thought it would. You know, I. Going into this season, I was like, ah, losing record, you know, well below 500, give it two more years. But we're, you know, it's an exciting team that's shown that they can win with less. So you like that, you know, and you, you need that in Baltimore. You know, it's not, it's not quite money ball, but it's the next best thing in a small market team like that. So Yeah, and Camden Yard is a great place. I've been there several times. It's awesome. You know, other than Yankee Stadium, I like PNC Park too. That's pretty cool. But uh, no, yeah. Camden Yard is pretty cool. And not going to root for you, uh, if you guys to do too well because I'm still in the ALEs, but it's just good to right. see, you know, have a winning team in town because it's just lousy. I know we're here with like, the Knicks, they, they stink, and it's just – it rips your heart out. So, um, again, so I appreciate getting this time with you. Again, people can follow you on Twitter, M-I-L-B underscore Hatbilly. Follow you on Twitter. And, of course, check out the YouTube channel. Subscribe to it. Get these cool baseball stories, um, M-I-L-B Hatbilly. Again, Jack Whalen, appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, um, I'll, I'll send you a Yankee hat. There you go. Hey, that, that sounds good.